Welcome everybody to the podcast, which is just about just riding about. It's the just riding about podcast. My name's Bob. I am happy today because I have a new podcasting microphone. So hopefully I'm going to be sounding an awful lot better than I did in the last few. And I'm joined by my pal Enzo, who has already got a new podcasting microphone that he's had for a few episodes. Anyway, hello, Enzo. Hello, Bob. New microphone, mate, you say? I mean, you know, are we, are we turning pro? What's that all about? We are turning pro. <laughs> this is one of the finest medium to bottom range efforts that Argos had. So <laughs> we are, we're really hitting the small to medium time now. But we're, we're back. We are back. We've both been uh, off doing various cycling-related things. I am back. You're back. I'm back from watching other people ride their bikes. And you're back from riding your bike yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I touched upon this on the last pod that I kind of hinted that maybe I was going to go and try and ride uh, around a world-famous Formula One circuit here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I only went and did it. Um, <laughs> I only went and took my bike to Silverstone and did a 50k timed ride um, with a heck of a lot of other cyclists. And it was fantastic. (laughs) What an absolutely stunning experience to be able to, um, you know, go to a a circuit, a famous, you know, racing circuit, and to just be able to sort of ride through the pits and then sort of join, join the track and, you know, I wouldn't say we went round it sort of like Lewis Hamilton, but you know, there were moments when we kind of <laughs> leaned into corners, more Valentino Rossi-esque, I mean, perhaps. I mean, in a previous life, I've done a, um, a track day at Brands Hatch mm. um, on a, and this was on a motorbike. And um, it was what kind of strikes more than anything is just the, the incredibly smooth, beautiful lushness of the tarmac. In, an, in almost like a sort of a, you know, like a, a, a cricket ground sort of, you know, flatness of grass. It just, yeah. you know, just beautiful, smooth, flat, lovely tarmac. Well, it was fantastic to not to have to, A, kind of look out for potholes, yeah. uh, B, <laughs> avoid idiot car and van drivers that, you know, seem to think that you're quite invis- invisible. Well, quite. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, if, if, you know, anyone gets the chance to, I mean, it cost me 36 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the, for the, for the day. And I have to admit it wasn't very well organized. We've got to be honest. And I think anyone that went that might be listening in is going to agree with me. Okay. There was all sorts of trouble with, um, <laughs> they, they sent us like an e-ticket because, you know, heaven forbid they send you anything through the post these days. Okay. It was all, a and, and the e-ticket facility didn't work. Um, you know, you, you just, it just, it just downloaded a blank ticket with nothing on it um, um, and then literally sort of 24 hours before everyone's panicking that you know we're actually going tomorrow what's going on we get an email from them saying oh you know sorry the uh, the system wasn't working but here's uh, a ticket you know that, that should work and eventually it did work so you know you download your e-ticket we headed off on Sunday we got there and goodness me what a mess the queue was unreal to actually check in so even though you had your e-ticket you had to check in to get your little timing chip, which okay. was basically just a little sticker, which you stick on the side of your helmet. Okay. And it's got like a little bit of circuitry built into it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and every time you go past the kind of the, uh, the, the timing area, it kind of registers your lap time and that kind of stuff. Um, but that cue for, for getting those timing chips out to everyone was 
phenomenal. I mean, um, it, it, to the point where after the event, we got an email saying, you know, thanks for coming. Hope you enjoyed it. We know there were problems. We're really sorry, blah, blah, blah. We'll try and get it better next time. So there's, there's going to be stresses and things, aren't there? Kind of trying to put one of these sorts of things together. I mean, um, but I mean, the, the, you sort of talking about the little kind of chip in a sticker. I mean, things mm. have come a long way since my day of transponder use, where it's like <laughs> basically the size of like a tub of margarine that you had to sort of zip tie somewhere. So yeah, I like the idea of a little chip in a sticker. In- Incredible, mate. It was literally a little sticker. Stick it on the left side of your helmet. So every time you go past the little kind of sensor, yeah. it, it registered the time. But wow. yeah, uh, I mean, all right, it was poorly organized, but crikey. I mean, we, we got you get a little medal at the end of it saying you've just ridden yeah. around Silverstone. Yeah, um, you had an incredible mix of people. So there were some time trialists who had the full gear on, and I'm talking pointy helmet. <laughs> <laughs> skin suit, uh, tri bars, wow. um, solid rear wheel, you know, the one with the full kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the fairing on it. It, it had no spokes at all. Yep. Um, you had a couple of teams. I mean, I call them teams because I guess there were clubs that, and, and they were literally, you know, one behind the other, about eight, nine, ten of them. We didn't like those people too much. They seemed to hog too much of the track mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and expected you to get out of the way. And for their benefit. But anyway, there was a few people like that. Get this, mate. There was a bloke on what I can only describe as an elliptical trainer on wheels that did it. Okay. He's standing on this little platform, right. uh, pumping his arms, and, and there was like little pedals that go up and down. But it's like the sort of elliptical trainer you get in a gym. Like a sort Absolutely of a, like mental. A machine sort of. Yeah, exactly that. Um, but yeah, he did it. I mean, to be fair, we lapped him two or three times. Um, uh, but but he did it. And yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, just, just to sort of say, well, I've ridden around Silverstone. Yeah. Um, so absolutely fantastic. And uh, I'd probably do it again again next year if it come up so um it's just a case of like a like a mass start and off you go see you in 50k sort of exactly that mate exactly that i mean the good thing was that there was literally like there was mechanics based sort of every i don't know half a mile or so every couple every mile yeah. on on the track so if you had a you know puncture or something that they could sort you out you had little feed stations so you know i picked up a couple of bananas because we was we was going around for about I don't know, about two and a half hours by the time we'd done the 50k mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't peg it we didn't go hunt you know as fast as we could um nice. you know some people were there for the kind of you know how fast can we get around here but yeah. we just wanted to kind of uh, enjoy the day um we did see an ambulance come on once so somebody must have got in a tangle but they kind of squeezed everybody to one side of the track and by the time i'd got there the ambulance had kind of already driven off the track and and, and taken away i mean no idea what happened how bad it was but i guess you know, with sort of a lot of people on the track, some people more experienced than others, you're always going to get the little tangle and maybe yeah. somebody fell off and people yeah, running at different speeds and other people and stuff. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But other than that, mate, absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, what what an experience to uh, to have hurt, to have done something like that. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Superb. I think I'd, I'd probably kind of, I think I'd probably set off with the idea to kind of try and get around as quick as I could, and then my brain would probably wander as I was like <laughs> looking around at something. Yeah, look at that. Look, I'm in Silverstone. How good is this? And then, uh, yeah, just uh, my brain would kind of wander away with it. 
Um, well, I've been, uh, and I'm back as well from, as I say, not riding my own bike, but I, uh, we went off to see um, stage two of the Tour of Britain. Mix that in with a bit of a week away as well, um, off in our uh, camper van. And we sort of like to, over the last few years, we've, and it started off a, a few years ago now, where we were heading off on, on holiday and we knew that the Tour of Britain were going to be coming close to where we were, um, uh, where we were staying. And it was like, well, we should go and we should go and watch this and um went and watched it and you know just and it is that sort of thing where you sort of go and you park up and you sit and they come past boom gone and you just, <laughs> and people are, oh that's it then and a lot of people got to say that like it's a like it's a bad thing or whatever but it's it's so um exciting you know mm. it, the, the whole the whole kind of the, the whole sort of excitement builds as as everything kind of comes you know but um um that we then sort of ended up we sort of did that on the day and then uh um, years after that for like the last kind of two three years now we've gone out and seen kind of multiple days you know um um you know one uh you know uh, one year we were at um a uh the, the individual times trial stage and that was great because all the lorries were sort of parked up in a in a sort of a a, a park area those big screens by the sort of local church as the by as the so they kind of sh were showing the live feed and you could wander around the buses and all the rest of it which was where i one of my finest and also slightly more mo most embarrassing moments i think in my life uh was when uh, i was well rather we were wandering around the uh the where all the trucks were for the for the time trial stage and a, uh, a Mitchelton Scott car pulled up um, and a couple of guys got out and it was literally just, just right in front of me. Matt Heyman got out. So he was in his, um, you know, like ex-pro cyclist of Mitchelton Scott, ex-Parry-Roubaix winner and out he, out he jumps literally right in front of me. And I'd, I'd, I'd probably watched that Mitchelton Scott video of him winning Parry-Roubaix maybe 15 or 16 times and it's almost <laughs> like I know him so he got out right in front of me and I looked at him and he looked at me and I said all right Maddie and he said oh <laughs> hi and then he looked at me and I looked at him and we both simultaneously worked out that we didn't know each other <laughs> um, but we still it was nice we still had kind of a, a bit of a nice kind of conversation or whatever but that's going back a few years this year we uh yeah we went out to the second stage which finished uh which went across dartmoor and finished in exeter we got to uh, uh and we sort of went out and sort of saw them come past us once and then headed up and went up to to, to dartmoor and found a, a a comfortable um spot up there and just sat and waited for them to to come past us and it is um you know when you you sat there people will sort of say oh you know you just go up there and they just race past yeah yeah that's what happened <laughs> that's what happens yeah <laughs> so exciting because they were there and um you know first of all the the police bikes start coming through and you know you get the odd kind of race um you know kind of support vehicle coming through mm. and then more police bikes and they shut the road and then more of the sort of like uh you know officials motorcycles and things that kind of come through and then the breakaway comes through and then you'll get more motorbikes and then the peloton comes through and uh yeah and then you know the the cars sort of finish it off whatever and there's a you know, tv helicopter you know up in the sky and and everything else as well um 
and it's just exciting. And, and, and this year, something even more exciting happened, something miraculous happened, in fact, because on our second uh, watching point, which was just going to be in, in Dartmoor, the breakaway came through, the peloton came through, and we're cheering on the peloton as they came through. And about two, three minutes later, a group of about maybe seven or eight riders came through off the back. Um, and they were obviously, by that point, they still had about 40k to go. That run across Dartmoor is quite lumpy. There's a lot of up and downs in there, and a lot more of them is up rather than down, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and a few guys were obviously in there, and they'd just gone, okay, I'm done. We're just going to do enough to kind of get us home sort of thing. And um, But of course, as they come past, as they're a bit off the back, you know, we gave them an extra special cheer you know what i mean kind of really kind of trying to get them just kind of kind of g'd up and we were sort yeah. of properly on our own there was like a good um uh, uh, you know uh, however many meters of, of maybe 50 meters or so for the car one side and 30 odd meters before the car the other side 20 odd meters for the car the other side and so it really well, there's a comes up and as they come past they obviously were quite impressed with our level of cheering because they <laughs> we got two bottles rolled towards us. Oh, a lovely job. And it's just like, really? <laughs> one was from, one was a Trinity bottle. So here it is. Hang on. Look at that. There it is. See, Trinity bottle. Wow. There it is. So that's landed there. So that's kind of quite something. But also, wait there. Go on. As you, as you sort of see, this is actually on the, uh, it's on the, the, the shelf at the moment here in, in my dining room. It won't be here all the time. But I'm showing that to the camera right now for young uh, Enzo to have a look at. And that says on their Dekernic quick step. Oh, look at that. And I, I saw the guy that threw it kind of in the middle of this group of eight, just very, very quickly, just like a quick flash. And I thought it was, but I, as I went past, I spun round and saw the number 11 on his back. So, yes, you're quite right. That is Mark Cavendish's drinks bottle. No way. Oh, yes. <laughs> So, Mark, if you're listening, thank you very much. That's actually on the shelf behind me here in my dining room. You're, you're positive. 148% it's here. I, I got, you know when you sort of see something like that and you sort of, you know, your brain takes a photo and you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was Cavendish. And then I, you know, quickly flick round and yeah, sure enough, 11's on his back. And it's like, Flipping was Cavendish. So there you go. I feel quite bad because they, whoever the, I'm not sure who the Trinity Rider was, but also Trinity Rider, if you're listening, thank you very much as well. That's also <laughs> on there too. But uh, I mean, you know, I mean, come on. It's Cav's bottle. Mark Cavendish. The great. Not every day. I don't, I don't suppose everyone's got Mark Cavendish's drink bottle they in their front room. They haven't. Look at that. So there you go. That's going back up on the shelf. So yeah, no, but it was the kind of testament to it all and all the rest of it, just how much of the kind of a spectacle it is and how great it is to go and see live. Um, now it's funny you should mention about um, part of the joy of riding around uh, Silverstone with a whole lot of other cyclists is that you don't need to worry about um, any car drivers or van drivers or any other sort of vehicle drivers coming up behind you and uh, passing in uh, passing you without leaving much space. Um, because the, um, the, the, the winter is coming, 
um it's getting uh it's it's you know it's it's getting darker out there it's certainly getting darker when i'm getting up in the morning to go take my dogs for a walk and uh so pretty soon that that darkness is going to start descending on the riding to work and riding home kind of times and i've I found something and i was having a, a bit of a look at it i don't know if i'm going to go for it or not but um i say i found it actually my wife found it and she's pointed me in its direction have you ever heard of something called the garmin varia before well i haven't but from your leading to what the Garmin Varia might be, I think I've got an idea of what it is you're going to say. But, but yeah, okay. uh, fill me in, mate. Fill me in. Well, this thing, it's, and it's new to me, um, and I'd, I'd never heard of it before. So I was kind of surprised when I saw that all the kind of reviews for, were for about five years ago. So there you go. It's, it's you know, nah, but, you know, I can't be across everything. But um, it's, um, it, it's, it's like a radar system early warning system that something is coming up behind you yeah um, now it's it's an integrated kind of radar and rear light um now there's a few things that it is. It, it does look very good what it, i mean it's not cheap obviously because you know that um uh, something like that wouldn't be um but it looks like pretty much everybody has it for about 170 pounds um however it's a so it's a, a clip-on rear light so it looks very similar to any other rear light that you've got um but it talks to your garmin edge or a number of other different garmin things it'll even talk to a few other modules which are not garmin as well um and what this does is that it, it has a range sensor of 140 meters um the rear light is apparently visual to up to a mile off um, and as you're kind of riding along it up to 140 meters or so behind you sees that there's something coming up and then notifies you on your screen so it kind of glows up red on one side and uh, if there's one car behind you it sort of shows one little dot if there's two cars two little dots and um, then as it sort of comes past it kind of glows up and then disappears my certainly kind of my ride home a lot of the when i'm when i'm out riding on the road i'm on little kind of country lanes where you're on your own for a fair amount of time and you can you know you're <laughs> you, you can sort of be riding along think about how great it is and sort of you know not not going to be ready i suppose for a car to sort of arrive um sometimes they can arrive very quickly um so i don't know this this thing looks um looks very interesting so i think i might give that a shot well now that you've kind of explained what it is mate i i do know two riders that have it mm. one of them is uh the chap that you might have seen on the uh on my kind of club rides who uh, who rides that kind of torpedo bullet type yes. uh, affair okay now he's he's definitely got one and mm. he's uh, showed me how it works i think it even it kind of counts the number of cars that that pass you as yes. well so you can oh, download okay. and it tells you you were passed by 30 cars 20 cars but he says it's absolutely invaluable for him because mm. he's so low yeah you know he needs to know what's coming up behind him how fast it's coming up behind him mm. and how close it's getting you know and for him it's uh you know it, it, it's a no-brainer he you know it's very very useful mm. um and i know another chap who's got it on uh, who rides a standard bike but has also got this kind of you know, sort of early warning system, I guess yeah, you might want okay. to call it of cars coming up and they, and they say it's, um, you know, it, it's really good. So it, it definitely works. And 
I mean, if you think that it, the, the, you know, the writing that you do, that kind of, you know, uh, being able to know when a car's coming up, because like you say, you don't get them that often. So when it, you know, you, you I guess sometimes, I don't know if you do it, mate, but you're riding and you just zone out a bit. And I know you shouldn't. Yeah. And I know you should be concentrating 150% of the time. Yeah. But it's easy on like country lanes just to sort of take in where you are, sort of almost forget about traffic and danger yeah. and animals that might jump out in front of you. Yeah. And you're just enjoying the ride. So to get that little beat to say, hang about, there's something coming up a little bit close behind you. Yeah, you might so. want to just... Have a, I mean, I find myself, mate, it'd be handy. I mean, I always find myself kind of looking over my shoulder. Is there a car there? You know, because you can't, with the wind as you're riding, you can't always hear the car if it's behind you. Well, um, that's it. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, especially with um, a kind of, you know, more and more electric cars that are yeah. out there. And exactly. Yeah. Make any sound at all. Yeah. Um, also, I am a man uh, in my 40 somethings, properly in my 40 somethings. <laughs> Um, I have listened to a whole different stack of loud music over that time, over my time on this planet and my, possibly my hearing isn't quite what it once was when I was a younger man. Um, and I've got a bit of a deficit in one ear anyway. I, I hear better from one side than I do the other. Um, and as well as that, yeah, as you say, you know, you're riding along, especially when the, as the weather starts to get a bit cooler, there's just a lot more wind noise and everything in your yeah. ears as well. And um yeah i mean obviously you know if it's in that sort of uh you know yeah you're riding along putting the effort in putting the concentration in but you're not always concentrating on you know all other car drivers that are behind you at all mm. time you could be putting a bit of concentration into how much your legs are hurting or right. know, kind of how <laughs> wet the road is this evening or any of these other things or the diesel patches that are kind of on the road from the bus that's kind of been sort of patching its way along in front of you so yeah i think that this could well be something that I'm that I'm going to go for. So yeah, I mean, I've ended up with uh, uh, like a bit of a, a list of things that I want to buy. I'm looking at different uh, alternative handlebars for mountain bikes and stuff. But also, I'm, I'm, and it kind of brings me on to what we were going to talk about as well. Um, I do need to buy a new chain for my mountain bike as well ah. because uh, yes, it's not in the best of condition shall we say even though I've, I've tried to keep on top of it i really have but is it just a bit kind of grubby and greasy it, I think and... the the, the roller. i think there could be a little bit of stretch there um the, yeah. uh, a lot of the rollers are now uh knackered done maybe 1200 1300 mile on a mountain bike which goes through all sorts of slurry you wow. know ir irrespective of weather or mud level um and there's a there's a good section of my ride home where the so the soil is kind of very sandy indeed. I mean, I'm quite and I have kind of kept on on top of its kind of you know regular cleaning and regular lubing and everything else. But I think it, it's just I even though I'm I'm good at that bit, I'm also not so good at possibly where I yeah I maybe could have been this about 300 miles ago. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, mate. I mean, tell us about your kind of chain cleaning regime or whatever it is you do. Because, I, you know, I speak to people. I watch, you know, the, the YouTube videos. Mm. And everybody seems to have their own little kind of way of doing it. Um, so I'm assuming there's no – well, I mean, I guess there is a wrong way. But there's, there's many right ways 
of, of getting your, chi, your, your chain clean and, and getting it lubed up correctly. So I'll tell you what, if you tell me how you do it, then I'll tell everyone how I do it. How's okay, that? Okay. As long as I don't think either of us are realistically billing either of our attempts as the right way. But still, no, absolutely. It's, it's our way. way. Exactly. Um, well, I, I use uh, a couple of products mainly. I've got something called Fenwick's, and that's like a foaming cleaner. So, um, you know, usual thing, you know, wash off your bike and then, um, you know, when it's, when it's all washed and everything else, um, start to kind of get in with, you know, if, if you've, if you've thought about it, you've headed down to the pound shop and you've armed yourself with some scrubbing brushes and, you know, they will, they'll do, certainly do a couple of turns before they get so clogged that it's time to bin them. But yeah, so uh, this, this Fenwick's is like a sort of a, a, a foaming cleaner. So you spray it on foams up um and then you basically just kind of uh agitate it really with the sort of brush and it just kind of brings the stuff off then when it comes to lubing i've been using something called ProLink, um which again is something else that the guys from the local bike shop have said yep that's the best stuff go for that um and i was and i've been using that um pretty religiously now i've gone through two bottles of that stuff over three bikes and it's it's been it's done very well um to the point that i thought that maybe i would try something else and i had some uh just like a regular kind of chain lube which i bought somewhere where i i was caught without anything so i yeah. had it at work for a bit and then i bought it home and uh, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll try this. Because I thought, well, that ProLink, it does, king, you know, there seems that maybe it's sort of like kind of, it creates a bit of a bit of paste to it. You know what I mean? Because the ProLink mm. isn't quite a dry and it isn't quite a wet either. Um, so I thought, well, let's, let's have a go. Let's have a go with this new stuff. And man, that creates paste. That, that <laughs> it's, um, the, me using that over the last couple of weeks has really dawned on me how good the ProLink stuff is. So I am literally, yeah. So, I mean, as I say, I need a new chain. I'm going to be going to my local bike shop tomorrow, buying a new chain. And then at the weekend, I will be, uh, you know, cleaning everything off, putting that on and then starting to use ProLink again on that. And that's the only thing that will touch it then. Um, and I, I do kind of in, in every now and again as well, I'll use like a little... Um, uh, muck off do something called mode 94 um or just something like that maybe one of their bike sprays just to spray on a cloth and just wipe over the chain just to get the the, right. the excess off that sort of paste that's created you know i, I mean i do similar I've, I've got an extra step that i do that that okay. you didn't mention um what i will say though is i've never had to i mean if you watch on youtube mate there's, there's people who soak it in petrol yeah. to get and i'm thinking <laughs> I've never, I mean, you know, the UK, the roads in the winter can be pretty terrible. The weather can be pretty terrible. Mm. You know, we've got mountain bikes. We go on mud and, as you say, grit and sand yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I've never had a chain that I've had to sort of soak in, <laughs> I don't know, diesel or petrol to get it clean. I mean, that's pretty no. extreme. So, um, yeah, that, that's something I've never done. But, again, seen it on, on YouTube videos and people, yeah, this is the only way to get chains clean but I, I think I, I need to disagree with that but what I tend to do mate so if it's um if it's uh during the summer and and you know the weather's nice but the you know the, the, the chains after two or three four rides they started to get a little bit grubby hmm. then I I just clean it um so I'll, I'll clean the bike I've got this stuff called rhino goo 
which is a concentrate. You mix it in with water. It is a mild degreaser. If you use it neat, it is a proper degreaser. But if you mix it with water, you can use it kind of as a, almost as a bike shampoo. Just, I've got a spray bottle. So I'll spray the entire bike, um, rinse that down. Then I'll spray the chain. Um, Again, it won't be that mucky. It, It would have used dry lube. So you don't get that kind of, black paste that's built up with the oils and all the yeah. gunk off the, off the ground. I'll, I'll clean it with this, with rhino, this kind of um, uh, rhino goo stuff that's uh, been mixed up with water that will get it nearly done. Um, like you, I don't go to the pound shop, mate. I just use old toothbrushes that uh, you know, me or the rest of the family yeah. are no longer using and just use those as again, just to agitate across the chain to sort of, sort of get into the nooks and crannies. Kind of, I put two, two toothbrushes, one on top of the other. So as I turn the, the, the yeah, crank, okay. the chain gets the top and bottom clean. Um, and then as you say, rinse off plenty of water um, to get the soap off. But then I do another step and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but after you know the chain is dripping wet, I then run it through with some um, GT85 or WD40 just to yeah. try and push out what water's got into the what chain. Water dispersant, yeah, okay. Exactly. Maybe leave it an hour, and then I go in and I I use this stuff, mate, called um Pedro's Synthetic Lube. Okay. Um, and it's kind of a lovely green color, and yeah, and then I put that on the chain, um, whiz it round a bit, let it you know do that at least 24 hours before I ride it. And, uh, and away we go. Now, the only change I have to that process in the winter when the chain does get really kind of mucky with the rain and the water mm. and the stuff that sprays up is that I'll use, and I'll, I know we mentioned this back in the day on another podcast, I've got this elbow grease stuff, which is a pound from Amazon or oh, yes. wherever it goes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, when I, mate, when I put it on our, on our um, Instagram page, people have absolutely raved about it and said yeah. how how good it works, but that that's just a little bit more kind of heavy duty. Okay. Um, and that's, that will really get the chain clean if it's, you know, if it's kind of properly mucky, but if you keep on top of it, mate, you don't, I don't think you ever really need to get to the point where you've got a, I mean, people you can buy these electronic, I don't know what they're called. Ionic cleaners where you put it in this thing and it kind of fires electrons. I don't quite know how it works. Wow. Um, but it's absolutely mad. But I think if you just clean it kind of regular, yeah. it doesn't need to get to the point where you've got to soak it in anything kind I of mean, really that's the thing. flammable. <laughs> I know that kind of uh, chains in the same way that all bike parts, I think realistically, certainly drive trains and stuff like that, uh, uh, Shimano-y things are kind of more difficult to come by these days, mm. certainly, what with everything um so kind of looking after your chain is is certainly more important than ever i mean realistically it's an important thing because it is linking your effort with your forward motion so you know you want it to be kind of as as good as it can be i mean there's there's um i think that on my uh on my my quick on my cannondale quick which is sort of like a road bike but also i sort of do dodge out onto little odd little bits of dirt track here and there on it as well um i may well because i mean that's again probably could do with another chain before this winter really kicks in um and i might try there's there's some some lube by a company called pure um or they do they do chain lube they do grease they do all sorts of things but um from what i've read everything they do is kind of biodegradable um so it's all kind of plant-based or whatever else you know um you know it doesn't 
you know, kill anything, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, an animal that, you know, could be in your garden or an insect or whatever, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not going to do any, do anything any harm. So I, uh, I, I might just kind of run a little bit of an experiment and possibly go for it. Cause I've got the, some of their, um, their kind of grease that I, that I use when I'm, you know, kind of putting yep. it back up together just on, on nuts and bolts and things. And uh, yeah, so I think I might try some of the chain lube and just kind of focus out on the quick and see what difference that makes. Cha I mean, chains are, chains are certainly important. Also, another thing important, tires as well. <laughs> and we had, we've uh, we put a picture of our pal uh, Elio's, uh, well, Elio, friend of the podcast, uh, his front tire on Instagram, and that created a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of interest, should we say? Yeah. So he he sent me a picture of his of his tire with a with a little cut in it, you know, a little slip that he'd obviously gone over with a bit of flint or maybe even a bit of glass or something, or maybe just hit a pothole a little bit hard and it's just sort of eaten into it and cut into the tire. Now, this is quite um, a, a, a hot topic, I think, sometimes, because mm. you'll get some people that say, that's all right, just patch it up, it'll be okay. And you get people who say, well, you know what, you can see the fibres and it's 40 quid, you really want it to go when you're doing 40 miles an hour downhill. Yeah. Uh, and you have a tire blowout, just get, so it's, it's quite, you know, there, there's no kind of definitive answer to this. And, you know, do you kind of trust in the construction of the tire and that little slit isn't actually going to do anything? Mm. Or do you think, do you know what, for the sake of 20, 30, 40 quid, however much you want to spend on a tire, 50 quid, 60 quid, for yeah. some people, um, <laughs> Yeah, do you just get another one and uh, and just swap it out and and kind of you know ride without that little bit of worry in the back of your mind if you're that sort of person? I know. I mean, when when you when you sent it over to me and sort of said you know what would you do and I I looked at it and my immediate my kind of initial reaction was like oh okay uh, I don't like maybe I, I don't like the look of that if he's you know if he's not happy then perhaps don't but. I did remember that I did have a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a cut out of a tire anyway, again, on my, on my quick. And, um, I kind of rolled that round and probably found maybe 12 or 14 holes, which looked fairly similar <laughs> with little bits of the Island can be a little flinty and, uh, you know, little tiny bits of flint and stone and everything that I was hooking out of them. And it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I should probably pay more attention. <laughs> I think, you know, when you get the little bits of stone, that's fair enough. I, you know, I've got a little pick that I pick out the stones. But I think sometimes when you, you know, when you see a bit more of a gouge and you can right. kind of see the fibres, that sort of the construction, yeah. the carcass of the, of the tyre, you start to think, well, is this safe or is it not? I don't know. I mean, I guess the chances of you, of you hitting the same spot to the point where it would kind of burst i mean would it even burst open i don't know maybe we're just overly paranoid and mate from the from the instagram uh, post that i put up uh, mm. with people responding a hundred percent of them said ride on don't worry about it, it it's <laughs> yeah. fine but he didn't listen to that he went and changed it anyway <laughs> well i mean i could i mean realistically i think everybody's right in this you know it's like if you um i mean that's the thing if you're on a big long ride you could have done that half a mile in and you Quite. wouldn't have known about it until the end of the, you know, hundred mile, you know, sportive or whatever. Exactly. 
uh, you know, however, ultimately, that's the sort of thing that if you are hurtling down a big hill at 35 mile an hour, you don't want in the back of your head to be thinking <laughs> about that little slice you've got in your front tire. So if it makes you more comfortable, then yeah, for sure, do it. And I think that's, that's yeah, that's probably, yeah, what, what I maybe would have done as well. I don't know. But anyway, we should do this. Maybe we should do this in the next one. Who knows? I, I think we should, mate. Yeah, maybe a tire special. Who knows? A tire special. Look at that. Well, <laughs> well, I, 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 I think we've we've pretty much kind of uh, exhausted everything that we've had to talk about in this one. So um, let's say that uh, let's say cheerio from this episode of the Just Writing About podcast, and we'll see you the next time. Goodbye. See you later, Bob. Bye bye. <laughs>